Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 400, Woodsmanship with Jeff Buds, and I am your co-host and the guy who can say with confidence that it is impossible to OD on banana pudding. <laughs> and I'm your co-host and the guy who saw the future this weekend. Hmm. Did it look anything like today? No. It was about, I don't know, eight inches tall, small feathers, falling around a little pterodactyl-looking bird. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, so it was, had a pulse sight. A hen with nine poles was spotted and also saw several lone hens, which was less encouraging, but I'm going to assume those were Jennies. And then saw three Jake and a halfs, which will be next year's two-year-olds. So I saw the future there you of go. the turkey world this weekend. So I was ecstatic. Does anything make you smile like when you're just on your farm and you see a turkey, you know? I mean, like, seriously, that just makes you feel good. It does make you feel good. I mean, yeah. It really does, but you, 
You had a bunch of banana pudding for the fourth? I am still eating banana pudding. And <laughs> if my wife would make some more, I would eat some more. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Good stuff. So I love it. Tammy hooked you up with some banana pudding? I'm not real sure what she does with her banana pudding, but it is some of the best I've ever had. Well, if it's anything like this cookie she makes, I'm in. That girl's the cook are, now. are good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a... That's a good quality for sure. So that's that's good. I, I hope everybody had a fantastic and safe Independence Weekend and day off on Monday for most of us. So yes, hope everybody has a safe deal there. Yeah. I, I only heard of one accident on the Tennessee River this weekend, and it was, was a bad one. But, you know, it, it overall, from what I understand, it was a pretty safe weekend on the water. So that's good. Yeah, that's excellent news. Yeah, I've kind of, other than this morning, I've stayed away from the news. And this morning, I, I bit on <laughs> the, I guess I should just say curiosity got the best of me about the whole Chicago Highland Park shooting. And mm-hmm. you know, that's a tragedy there. And our hearts go out to the families of the victims and, you know, the family of the shooter as well. I mean, it's... It's brutal on all ends. It is. It is. But, yeah, that's the only news that I've watched in, well, since probably midweek last week. So... Well, dang, you're probably in a good mood for midweek last week till now. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. So I could positive vibes. I couldn't tell you what happened on the waters in the great state of Alabama, but I hope that everyone was safe and... You know, it's it just was a, I don't know, something about 4th of July falling on a weekend. You know, something about Christmas, or not necessarily a weekend, but even a Monday or a Friday, you know, giving us a long weekend. Something about Christmas yeah. falling on a Monday or Friday and giving us a long weekend. You know, it really gives me a lot of time to reflect and just be thankful for. And you think about it, way back then, those men had the foresight to sit down and write the Constitution mm-hmm. of the United States of America, you know, and, I mean, declaring war on Great Britain, declaring your independence from Great Britain, I mean, pardon my French, and I'm not going to edit this out, that's ballsy. <laughs> I mean, seriously ballsy. And hey, you got to take risks in life, man, and, and they made the greatest country this world's ever seen. Um, I mean, it's just incredible. Real. It really is. And and the way they laid out the Constitution, laid out the three branches Amazing. of our government with the judiciary, it really is amazing. It, it is amazing. It truly is how timeless what they did is. And it just is shocking. And it's an awesome time to live in the greatest country on earth. Hit yes, the lottery when we were born. Man, no that. doubt. No doubt about it. Can't beat it. And we got us a good episode for for the land of the free. And, and hey, maybe you're not in the USA and you're listening, but we got a good episode for you today. <laughs> That's right. We just pissed off everybody in Mexico <laughs> or Canada who lives there. But, you know, we our listener have... in England is just living now. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we do have several listeners that are in the military. You know, we get to, in our stats, get to see. Yeah the downloads of where they come from and, and they do come from other parts of the world. And yeah, I kind of chuckle when I see the downloads coming from Turkey. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's perfect. Because of the Turkey Hunter podcast. So, you know, you got to think those people probably download one episode and go, first of all, it's about English, my country. And second of all, <laughs> it's not about my country. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> So, yeah, this this is a great episode with a great guest. And, man, I mean somebody that is wide open all the time. And there's just some great information in this interview. And so, as you probably heard right off the bat in the intro, we've got Jeff Buds with us. And I can't imagine many of you guys listening to the show don't know who Jeff is at this point. But... Just take the number of Grand Slams that you've killed and multiply <laughs> it by about, I don't know, 25 to 50. Yeah. And you've got Jeff Buds. Yeah. Of just the ones he's killed. There's no telling how many he's oh, yeah. guided as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. So Jeff will tell you, and I'm not scared to say this on the show because he won't be upset. Jeff will tell you he is not the best turkey caller. He'll tell you flat out that if you want to know about turkey calling there are people that can give you all kind of lessons online or Mm -hmm. go talk to one of the championship callers if you want some real live tips and advice on how to call and for someone who we talk about this a lot you know we don't all have to be the best turkey callers it make it does make us a little better at the sport but turkey calling is not everything so uh, it's a fraction of it all. It is. What we lack in turkey calling abilities, we must make up for with woodsmanship and knowing our quarry. And so that's why we felt like Jeff Buds would be a great guest to have on the show. So yeah. what do you say? You want to jump in and do it? Let's jump in and do it. Y'all enjoy, and we'll see you guys on the other side. Hey, everybody. Cameron and I are glad to tell you that we have on the phone with us today the one and only Jeff Buds. And Jeff, in case you guys don't know, is I'm just going to call him Captain Grand Slam. And not only is he Captain Grand Slam, but he's also got a super slam underneath his belt. And he's just, you know, when I look up the term turkey slaughterer, in the dictionary or on Wikipedia because, you know, that's the that's where we go to look things up these days. Jeff is one of the pictures that I see there of turkey slaughterers. And so we've got Jeff with us today to talk about woodsmanship. And, you know, these guys that, these hunters that travel around the country hunting different states and then for somebody like Jeff who's out and he's guiding people all over the country when they're turkey hunting woodsmanship plays an important part in the success that a hunter like jeff has and so i'm tickled to have jeff on with us today and jeff tell us i already know the answer but tell us where in the world you are because we had to track you down we sent out the the drones we had the gps tracking device turned on and we we got you located but tell it tell everybody where you are this week (laughs) We are what? What's more American to spend the Fourth of July at a rodeo watching fireworks in Jackson Hole, Wyoming? There you go. There you so go. that's where the Griswolds took a summer trip. <laughs> and we've uh, worked our way from Florida up, visiting family and friends. And it's, what's incredible about it is uh, I, I've gotten to stay with uh, different friends 
for a couple days each, very short visit, but uh, a couple days each and got to spend uh, time with them other than waking up at four in the morning and go to bed at 1130 at night and run and gun all the way. So it's, it's the camaraderie and, and just slowing down and, and visiting folks. But we are in, we went to through Yellowstone. We did our Yellowstone stint and uh, it was tough to hold back and not slip out of the, off the beaten path and chase one of those big velvet elk and, you know, a little lazy bear, but I, mama made me stay in the car and I wasn't on, on the news for being one of those guys. That's you know. right. Yeah. Has the flooding, the flooding has subsided there. They've, they've reopened yeah, everything. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a non-event. They, uh, they, uh, you know, we're in the Southern, we, we stayed in the Southern, Southern part, but we, we traveled up, you know, when you drive and see stuff, it's just, it's amazing the game. And, yeah. uh, but the two roads coming in from Montana, that's where they really got hammered. And it was a perfect storm. You know, it's, uh, the incredible snowpacks start melting. So the rivers are all the way full. And then they get a huge rain and, yeah. you know, of course, Florida, it doesn't, uh, you don't notice it, but in fact, a quick story off the side when we had a hurricane and gosh i forget it was 9 11 and it skipped right by uh florida hit the tip of north carolina and hatteras and all that and then went out and then went straight back in and pummeled uh vermont and i hunted vermont the year after that and what people don't realize on flat ground i mean florida needs to get them all because we can handle it we're flat sand it just percolates goes right through straight through within you know, days and it's gone. Mm-hmm. But those guys, when they get it up high in the mountains and it just, they get two inches everywhere. Well, two inches at 10,000 feet is now, you know, 36 inches down at 6,000. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's when it just devastates. And we've all seen those pictures of, of the roads washed out and cars abandoned. Cause, and I don't know, they're going to have to helicopter them out or something, but, but no, everything cameras back to normal. Everybody's happy to, to get back. And, you know, it was like a, little step back from two years ago when we all shut down and but these guys are all doing what they're supposed to and but everything's beautiful and unless you see the damage there's no more water unless you see right there at the river bottom down low um nice. you wouldn't know anything ever happened yeah that's awesome yeah yellowstone's always been probably one of my favorite trips i've taken with my wife it just was it's just incredible yeah yeah it's it's a must in the country there's you know and of course we just looked it up there's 63 national parks and we went through teton on the way down yeah through that one and we looked and okay we've gone to these couple but that's what i needed as a bucket list now that i got the 49 done you know and this checked (laughs) off and yeah so i guess the families we're going to start our our national park bucket list which it's pretty amazing to look at these places as you guys know and you know take a second to to enjoy and get off the beaten path you know Heck yeah. Well, and you are, you know, one of those guys that in your quest to kill in all 49 have have just been wham, bam, and hit one, you kill, you move on to the next one. So you and I, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to the show and even Cameron as well, are a lot alike and we've been very near all these awesome places around the country, but haven't been to them. So yep. Glad, yep. glad you're taking time to do that with the family. That's cool. Yeah, and and it's funny because I know, you know, Andy, we've spoken about it, and you travel with more. I mean, I was, you say it however narcissist, selfish, whatever, but I just knew I had my states lined up, and I wanted to hunt by myself because there's nobody I've found that'll keep up. And once I get one, check pictures, clean them, we're off to the next one. And and uh, you know what was it? Uh, thir- 2013, I did the. 12 days, 10 states, 10 toms, 
and only 12 because I had to wait for two states to open up. And I got there on a Friday and had to wait for the for the state to open up our Thursday night scouted Friday. I didn't sleep in on my two Fridays, West Virginia and Pennsylvania. I got up and I scouted. I said, oh, look at that. Woke up the next day and bam. So 12, 10 hunting days, 10 times, 10 states, and six of them I'd never hunted, never stepped foot in before, just a lead. One, I go in and here's you guys. We're all optimists. We all think get a lead from who knows what crazy source a uh, waitress at a at a restaurant that has a different accent oh you know brother hey where are you from mississippi mississippi you, mm. you guys turkey hunt down there yeah you got brothers yeah she starts to look crooked at me oh will you give them my phone number i want a turkey hunt with them and then she's like what what about me i'm a good looking girl you're supposed to be hitting on me and i'm like no no i want turkeys i want turkeys <laughs> and you know stuff like that but i show up and i say supposed to be turkeys oh yeah i show up and i look and they've got a picture oh look at these two toms right out the front door and i look and there's six inches of snow and i said when's the last time you or you took the oh yeah february when's the last time you saw them oh that was in february yeah my heart sinks ask hard questions (laughs) so the woodmanship you know we're we're talking about woodmanships but it it, it's all it's all tied together and and doing as much beforehand i mean i had every person talk to two properties in line uh licenses bought we've all you guys i'm sure have been somewhere show up at two in the morning and you know fly down mm. first novels at five fifteen, and you show up to super walmart and they're like oh our printer's down we can't get you a license mm-hmm. or mm. i don't know what i don't know what what which one you need and you're like wait do i buy the 52 day or 52 dollar today or do i need to buy the 270 dollar big game license that's a big hit i don't care who you are and and as working guys, you know, and so anyway, uh, you just got to get it all lined up, and then, you know, anyway, I get I get up on tangents, but the here's the gist: pay attention to everything, stay out of their way, and when it's your opportunity, get it done. Don't wait, don't hesitate, don't think, get it done. Do because you'll miss every shot you don't. Take. Amen to that. Yeah. Amen to that. I tell you. It was a couple of years ago, I guess probably two years ago on this show, which I, I don't think you heard this, but I said something along the lines like, man, somebody ought to try to kill a turkey every month of the year. I was like, I don't even know if that's possible, but that'd be crazy. And Andy was like, well, don't say it too loud or, or Jeff Buds will do it. And then last year I look and I'm like, he's doing it. <laughs> he's going to kill one every every month. So how did yeah. that go? Well, it was it was awesome. And what I had to do is, so everybody goes, what? So instantly you think of uh, everybody now has re- everybody re- has realized that, well, they knew Maine was June, and now Wisconsin and Michigan have opened up into June. So you can hunt well you're the first solid week of June. So everybody's mm-hmm. known for a long time to know June. Well, so your big ones are July and August. And then they most guys realize, yes, there are fall seasons, but they think of, oh, November, December. Well, mm-hmm. there's several states that open September. So September through January is a no-brainer. And then February is Texas, the southern four counters, the only ones in February. And then, of course, March through June, again, you're full swing. So what I had to do is wait for Florida opens up. Their archery season, southern zone, opens up 49 days before 
their muzzleloader opens, which that muzzleloader is always the third Saturday in September. So what I had to do is once I realized or thought, you know, I've all, and I still have a couple more things to, you know, wake a few turkey hunters up that, oh, wow, that can be done. But I can't let the cat out of the bag until I'm, you know, it's like the deer. You don't show pictures of deer in your trail camera. You show pictures of deer you're holding, you know. That's right. Uh, anyway, I realized then that uh, it was, so it opens up. So every seven years it changes. So the, the worst year is, the, is August 4th. The next year it opens the 3rd, the 2nd, the 1st, and then the 31st of July, which was in 2021. And then it goes, and then it goes the 30th, the 29th, 28th, or the 29th, yes, 28th, 28th. And then it kicks back to the 4th. So what I did is I waited and I started that in in August because it opened on August 1st. And I was very fortunate, I, you know, and, and I say fortunate, I mean, you know, it's a property I've had for years and I managed my turkeys. I'd known there was a bearded hen there, but I knew there were four, two older Toms and two younger Toms. And the landowner, regard any one of my properties, I take two of the mature birds on it that are there. That's it. End of story. No ifs, ands, and buts. Cause I want to always get in and get out. The turkey's the only one that doesn't like it. The hunter does, the land does, the owner does, I do. The turkey doesn't like it, but I, I get paid to to get birds, not to hunt, to sit and all that stuff. So I knew they were there. I got August 1st, and then I thought, if I don't get the July 31st bird, well, then I'll cycle back through, and I'll have two days in the next year. But mm -hmm. luckily I did, and I was sitting there with two thermocells on July 31st <laughs> waiting, and, and uh, I had I – had, and I told myself the first – and because I, I said from the beginning, just like I said, a super slam, I'm going to get a spring – long beard out of every state and that's what i did and then for the for the 13 month well i did 12 straight i won for exclamation point but i said uh, a long beard and that first one came in august august 1st and it was a, a actually a bruiser of a bearded hen i think eight inches i'd have to look but um right when i got her um i said oh wow might have something but anyway it it was it was fun it was different that i had other than the super slam and we've all been to a state well, i say that i know i've been to a couple and had to go back but i knew i could go back in this one yeah i knew i could go back but then i'd have to start the whole process again right you know and and uh so there was the uh, there was there was that going for me and so anyway but it was it was great it was just another thing to you know, add a little pressure. I mean, I've, I'm working away at my, my, the, all the weapons. I started that the year after, you know, I finished my suit slam in 13. So 14, here we go. And I'm, you know, going around and I got halfway through the season. I said, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'll do it by the time I, I mean, whenever it happens I'll, and I've slowly checked them off, but I said, I'm not going to, you know, here's the weapons I have grand slam and the weapons I have. And here's the one I have need. I said, I'm not going to, just go neurotic about it anymore because it, the pressure of a super slam and you guys know anybody that's working on it i don't care well i say that everybody i know and have talked to there's pressure there's pressure to, to mm -hmm. succeed and you know you just you just keep plugging along and but there is definitely pressure to uh to accomplish your goal and that's why andy i bust your chops at going with three or four buddies and yep. and i don't know how many states you've gone to and everybody gets their bird but I, I have a good, another good buddy that several singles, but then I have one buddy that travels. There's four of them, and 
you know, they line up their states in order and they, what they do is they do get two rentals and the two that usually kill, and it varies because they're all really good hunters, Mississippi boys. And uh, so they're hunting Southeast Easterns, but uh, that's a lot of pressure, you know? Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. So when you, when someone mentions the term woodsmanship to you, what does that entail? What does that mean to you? If I had to say one word, I would say aware. And that is a long time ago, one of my buddies, was, we were hunting or something like that. And he said, man, this old guy that mentored me, you know, because I didn't have any mentorship. I was in college and met a guy at a bar and said, yeah, I hunt. And I said, I want to hunt. So that was my mentorship, you know. And uh, But he said the ripple effect. He said everything, think of a rock thrown in the middle of a pond and the ripples. Everything that you do or that's done there's 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 a ripple effect and and if you can go through you know un unnoticed so that would be the second word aware and unnoticed so every single thing that's going on i mean i don't know what came first the chicken or the egg i don't know i mean we're out here and we're hiking and i've got my 45 year pound uh four-year-old on my back and we're going up i mean we climbed climbed 1900 feet in three miles that's that's getting it Mm-hmm. And uh, I watched every single step I took. I glanced up and was aware of what was going on because we're in grizzly country. But I was aware of every single pebble because I knew if something would happen and he's latched onto my back, it would be ugly. Right. And and he physically couldn't. You know, I made him walk some just to get out there and experience it and, and to wear him out so he wasn't such a firecracker. But uh, <laughs> no matter what I do, I mean, think about it. When you guys – you talk about aware – I had a motorcycle for six months and, and it idled faster than the speed limit. There was a, (laughs) in Colorado at the time there was, you didn't have to wear a helmet. So, you know, I put sunglasses on and that lasted one day and I said, man, this is crazy. I'm wearing a helmet. So then I put a helmet on, but I literally, you drive a semi, well, I guess the high end or the low end, you're really aware because the semi has slowed down, but so we've got an expedition and you know, I pay attention, no big deal. But if a squirrel runs out, do I really freak out? No, I didn't pay attention. Man, on that motorcycle, if a, if a dragonfly started coming my way, oh, buddy. I mean, I was at DEFCON 4 all the time, and it, it's just no fun. <laughs> but, but so I was aware, and everybody knows about driving, aware and, and paying attention. So when you're in the woods, when you're driving, when I drive, or I tell everybody, when I see a Tom, uh, North Carolina, I was driving by, first time we walked in, a guy was we drove around. Oh, here, look at this property. I saw a Tom. I wanted to see it for the property while I had as time as I could. I saw that Tom. Boom. And I went, huh. Note to self, it was 132, and he was right there. And then we spent the night, and we hunted the next morning. No luck. We happened to be going around, and I remember that bird, but there was a big piece of property, and we had seen some others and heard some and roosted. I went back, and it was like 128, and that bird was 30 yards away from that spot. I went, (laughs) and I just go, okay. So I see him once, and I go, oh, good. I see him twice. I go, buddy, it's on. Third time, oh, where do I want to take a picture of that bird? So, I mean, that's a simple thing to be aware of. Um, uh, you know, you're going down a creek and it, you can't cross it. Well, you saw a log or a tree, something that permitted you to cross that. That's a simple one to be aware of topography. Well, some other little things are scratch, of course, gobbles. Yeah, seeing them and hearing them. That's the easy thing. But the but the scratching, the droppings, the dust bowls, the you know, I mean, 
not a lot of guys have gone under a roost and seen a bunch of droppings. I mean, out west you both have been and you both have seen, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't even see dirt anymore. I mean, that's the easy one. That's like cherry-picking low-hanging fruit. But, you know, little stuff like that just to be aware. You know, I mean, when you look, how many times you guys I know, you go up and you look or you see you're sitting in a deer stand and you see a doe looking and the wind's perfect. She has no idea you're there. And she's looking and and she's looking and you go, oh, here he comes. She's looking a different direction and you just know or a, or the bu- a smaller bucks look up and they start to sort of maybe turn and like slowly walk away and you can't physically see anything, but they just, they know he's coming and there's Mufasa. He steps up in the field mm-hmm. or a coyote, you know, they, they start looking and, and you're like, why are they freaked out? What's going on? It's not me. I know it's not me, you know? So that's all. So, so woodsmanship being aware and being, uh, you know, as, as unseen or unnoticed while you're going through because they're detectives too. Their life depends on it. Ours, it's for hmm. fun. We don't need to eat. We love it. I mean, camera will throw you out a recipe that'll knock your socks off. You know, I mean, we love what we do and we utilize all of it, respect it and all that, but it's not our livelihood. It's not our lives depend on it. So they, they you know, it's like home field advantage or uh, do or die, the last, the seventh game. It changes up when it's that. It's, it's everything all in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What do you like? You would be probably one of the like you did with the 10, 10 for 10 deal. If I just had a helicopter and flew over and dropped you in the woods, I would anticipate you coming out with if you could only shoot one per day, only one turkey. But what is when you hit a new place and let's say, I mean, this happens, you know, a lot with the super slam stuff. Sometimes you hit places you have no intel on. What's your, you know, step one? I, I'm here. Yep. I'm gonna hunt tomorrow, and I gotta I gotta find a turkey. Yep. And so I'll go back. What was it 2015? I had heard about this uh, World Turkey Hunting Championship, and there's some good hunters. I knew a pile of them there. And it went the first year, and we thought I, th- I thought it was a gimmick, you know, or it's too, when it's too good to be true. What does Mama tell you? <laughs> it's not not true. First year, a lot of guys went. I said, oh, all right, we're doing this. And I called my two buddies that are killers and i said hey we're let's do this will you do it with me and they said yeah and i said oh here's the deal i'm paying for everything and you get expenses plus a little bit if we win or we're all in and they we knew each other they said we're all in so we get get there in in the dark and you get your properties and you get uh trying to think that first night we didn't even get there in the light oh we might have had just a little bit of light and uh if you don't like them you get to trade them in and we said, yeah, I just, I just didn't have a feeling. And you guys have been somewhere, and you just, I don't know, it's, I don't know how to explain it, but you just don't feel it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, we swapped him in. We showed up at the next place in the morning, in the dark, and boy, we, you know, we got on him. But, but, uh, and we ended up winning the thing. And uh, I mean, it was incredible. But, and, and then uh, we did it four years. We got a first, a fourth, a third, and a third, I think. But top. You know, and there was guys, so you need four birds to do it. And there are 50 teams. There was a couple of them didn't even kill, a couple of teams didn't even kill a bird. There was only, each of the four years I competed, there was five or six teams that only got four birds, eight teams, whatever, maybe under 10, well under 10. And, and, uh, you know, it's every, you know, people, oh, you're lucky or you're lucky. Well, how much do you have to do before 
you know, it's not just all luck. And I'll take all the luck I can get. But Cameron, to, to pinpoint, laser point, what when people say, what do you do? And I'm incredibly fortunate, and I'm, I'm, I'm a couple pounds overweight, 20 to be exact. I always beef up right before my, my – uh, I get dire for uh, working out for elk, and I'll lose 20 just so my backpack on, on me September, whenever I hit the woods, 15th, will, will feel like nothing. And I'll be, in, I'll be in top shape for me, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and running five miles a day. But I cover more ground than anybody else I know because I want to see every nook and cranny and if which I will there's no doubt when I bump when I bump whatever game then at least I know because if you don't if you go shooting at whatever animal that's a lot different than just a whatever level soft or hard bump that you did but I would rather bump an animal and and, because again if you're shooting at him it's going to change his his trajectory for quite a while probably but if you're if you just if he sees you at whatever level distance um and but at least you know he's there and that's a motivating factor as well i mean we all know i mean i says and hunt i kick up a bird way far away and i go rooster rooster it's way you can't even think about shooting most people don't even see it i go rooster 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 but i tell and i know it's a hen but if I go hen, 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 and now if they're close, I yell hen, hen, so nobody shoots. But just to say rooster, 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 it gets people jacked up, you know? So mm-hmm. I cover yeah. a ton of ground, and I want to so, – so two things. I'm looking for sign. So that's, that's animals, of course, is the, of the list. Number one, I'm looking and listening for animals. But more importantly, the woodsmanship. How many times have you been on a property with somebody, and you hear a bird, and you go, there he is. Or you see a bird, okay? You hear or see a bird, and you need to get to him. You need to go now. Whatever time limit, the, the, whatever's going on, you need to go. And it's not just sit here for 12 hours and hope he comes by. You need to go. And you need, and he's 12 o'clock straight ahead of you. But you're with somebody, and you take off, and you're like, let's go get him. And, and I mean, not running straight across the field at him, but, but working and getting to him. And uh, they go, no, no, you don't go to 12 o'clock straight at him. Come on, we got to go back to six o'clock. And if we go to six o'clock and go back a hundred yards, two hundred yards, half a mile, whatever it is, there's a trail, a road that takes you all the way around and pops you up within fifty yards of where that bird is in the corner of that field. Well, you would have gone up and down and up and down and beat through briars and and killed yourself going straight to them. But but that woodsmanship is is paying attention to every log over that. 12 foot creek and yeah we'll all go get wet or most of us will get wet i don't choose to be wet i don't choose to be cold and i don't choose to have less than three hours of sleep a night but when i need to i without question bail off and i'm right in the thick of it i could care less let's do it you know and and a lot of guys here and there but most people if they when the screws are put to them, they just can't handle it, you know. So, being in shape and and covering the ground that I can, and somehow I don't know because I've it's been that way forever, you know. You guys know when you look at your alarm clock or you set your iPhone at you whatever time you go to bed, ten, eleven, twelve o'clock, and you set set it to wake up. If it's a work day and you set it to wake up and you go, man. I got, I only get, I only, and you say these words in your head, I only get six hours of sleep. Oh, and right away, you're, you're already tired. Before you wake up, you're already tired. When you're in the turkey woods 
and you go to bed somewhere in the back of the truck, sleeping in the, in the car seat, and you set the alarm and you go, oh, my gosh, I actually get four hours of sleep tonight? <laughs> oh, this is gonna be awesome, <laughs> you know, because you've been there. And, and you, 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 I mean, you, you laugh because you know. You've lived that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, after so many days, it, you know, and, and I go, oh, my stint is usually three or three to five days with my dudes. And by the end of it, when I pull up, so I time it perfectly. If I pick a, two dudes up for my slam quest, pick them up in Denver on Monday, I drop them off on Friday at noon. When they get out of the car, I have them, I get them out. I have them book flights way after that. My other guys, two guys are already waiting there. So I pull up, the doors, two doors open up, and these two, battered guys dudes get out of the car and they sort of stumble a little bit my other two dudes are sitting there bright-eyed bushy tails and they sort of look at the other two and go uh-oh i don't know if i signed up for this and yet the two go hey just do what he says stay out of his way and and good luck to you but you'll get him there's no question you're gonna get him and they go good luck and god bless and the other two are getting in the car going uh they go, yeah well, sign another liability waiver i need Witness blood, urine, and hair sample. All right, let's go. Yeah, <laughs> and we go get it. But but it's tough, you know. I mean, going to one state a weekend or on a one one state trip, you know, it's easy. But you go do it. I mean, and I know you guys have, and you felt that pain, and you get back, and you go, man, I need to make sure I have a couple days off when I get back, you know, and because uh, it's it, you know, it'll it'll chew somebody up. But if you want to be successful then you have to go, 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 you know, and, but you don't have to, Hey, go sleep in. I don't care. But if it's on, if I'm getting blamed for it, uh, -uh, we're not going to do it. You, you sleep six hours between States or whatever, but when it's time to go no, we're, we're going. Mm -hmm. Always time for sleep in June. Yep. So uh, I'm not worried about that. So I asked this question of our, last guest that we had on talking about this topic but what and, and i think i know the answer for jeff buds because i know jeff buds but running and gunning to you when you hit i'm going to give you two different scenarios let's say you hit a new area it's a place that you've got some intel on but you don't you've not gotten eyes on a bird what's what does running and gunning mean to you in that situation and then part two the opposite like the situation you mentioned in North Carolina, you show up, you get eyes on a bird, you know, that bird's not moved 30 yards in two hours. What is your idea of running and gunning in a situation like that or your definition? Well, I have, you know, my truck, you know, and I have pictures and a list somewhere of everything I carry. So I have my double bulls and my decoys. And so I'll take, do the last one first. When I have to sit and wait, I want to be comfortable because I've been uncomfortable way too many times. So that add to that list of when I choose, I choose to be comfortable. I choose to be in a couple chairs with my dude and, and you can wear a white t-shirt, whatever. And, and I have no qualms sitting and waiting. I don't like it, but I have no qualms sitting and wait, waiting if I know, well, nobody knows, but that's why I get paid the big bucks, right? To, to, to make the best guests available. So I have no problem if there's no other opportunity or if that's the 132 bird, boy, I'll beat the bushes until I get to, you know, 11 and, and plan on mm -hmm. a window a couple hours before and a couple hours after, because you don't want to show up. Oh, he's there 1132 and 1128, or I mean, 132 and 128. Oh, let's show up there at Walton at, at 115. 
uh-uh, it ain't going to happen, yeah. you know. But uh, so so sitting and waiting is is definitely huge on the on the list. But uh, running and gunning, if I get dropped off and it's noon and you the least amount of activity or maybe a little after that because you get your midday gobbler. But uh, I always and a whole other couple episodes, I always have my fan with me, which now I've made one. So it's got, oh, 32 feathers. So it's pretty big corrugated plastic and, and a big handle so I can carry it in sticks if I need to stick it in the ground. So it's it's dialed in, ready to go. No head. I painted on it red and white so they see the color. And when you get the right one, I mean, I'd rather spook three or four than get the and get the right one because when it happens, guys are just blown away. But I cover ground. I stick that out. And this is I'm not hunting public ground. I'll take a disclaimer right now. I'm not running through public ground going, hey, here. I have hunted and do hunt plenty of public ground, and I do hunt that differently. That's a, another whole other episode. But but again, I cover ground as much as I can. I utilize every nook and cranny and keep out of sight. I don't walk in the middle of fields, um, walk on the edges, and, and I call a pile. My coyote call, which literally... I am sort of still going through counseling and not talking about it much, but I left my turkey vest on the back. Well, one of my dudes moved it and left it on the tailgate, and I drove away in South Dakota. Mm. So I lost mm. everything. And, oh, yeah. and a $1,000 pair of ears, electronic ears, mm. is the worst hit, but everything else. And my coyote call, which was a Drury coyote call, which they don't make them anymore. I've already tried to get a couple or find them before for several years, and they don't make them anymore. I'm going to have to call uh, Mark or Terry and say, hey, pull one out of the back somewhere. And, and uh, but so I call, I use that a lot. I, 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 everybody calls, has their go-to calls. I know box calls reach out there, but I know when I use a mouth call or a slate call, I know any time of the night or day, anywhere I am, right when I pull it out, I know the, what the first note's going to sound like. I love my box call. But I have no idea what it's going to sound like when it's been in my pack. I rubber band it so it doesn't rub. It's protected, sealed, all that good stuff. But when you need it and you send out a, and you go, oh my gosh, and and you know, because I want to, I want to try and shock something. It's just, it's, uh, it's brutal. So, so from a distance, I'll pull a gobble because that my coyote call was so loud. And I don't want to do it under, gosh, under a couple hundred yards because if you're under that, then he's really he's probably moving. But if he's 200 and plus, if you can, if if he's anywhere near receptive, you're going to pull it out of him. And all I need to know is he's there. Okay, he's there. Mm-hmm. Now let's now let's util, let's think about everything else that we know our our hunting bait woodsman base of where what now add that to the equation the chess match. Now let's react. So covering the ground, and while I'm doing that, I'm, I switch up my calls each time. Uh, and depending on the topography, I would say every minimum, every couple hundred yards, I'm throwing out one coyote, then another couple hundred yards, one slate call, another couple hundred yards, uh, I'll do a real loud mouth call. But, I, I mean, again, I would rather spook animals and get one to respond than to just sit there and take two steps and look with my glasses take two steps, look with my glasses. And, the, you know, it's just, boy, and that's incredibly effective. You know, an elk, I hunt elk the same exact way. I have a Montana decoy and a butt decoy, and I cover ground. I chew it up, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Do you do the same like on your twelve month slam? Did is that do you hunt the same way in September, October, November for turkeys, or are you more of a find the sign set up at that point? Well, and and in the fall, of course, I hunted Nebraska, Kansas. So I hunted out of a blind in the fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, September, Nebraska, huge flocks, and and I was I was getting after them, moving, and then uh, a blind because I a couple farms November, December was Illinois, um, and I had in knowledge. I've of course raised there, so one of the farms I've hunted for years, and actually I knew a bearded hen. That was my fourth for the Grand Slam. So a grand slam of bearded hens in five months. I missed uh, November. I had I just had to get home, so I came back over Christmas and got up the bearded hen. So so and then uh, January, my own prop, my own spot in Florida, running and gunning. February, blind in Texas, and then March, April, May, June, running and gunning. August and or July and August was back to a blind. So I guess I didn't do the write it down right there, but it's not half and half blind and running and gunning and. A couple of those properties I hadn't been on at all, but Intel and just going, you know, and again, the same, the, the MO is the same no matter where I am, what I'm doing, you know, and, and I, it's funny, I will admit and take a side note because everybody expects that I can go into the Walmart parking lot and go, here, turkey, turkey, turkey. <laughs> I mean, I, wherever I go, you know, so I've got my, my daughter, 17-year-old bonus daughter's boyfriend with, and he's a good kid, and he's trying to learn and stuff. And he's like, hey, when? so when do you get jacked up? And I said, you know, I get jacked up because wherever I go, I always get the problem birds. And he's like, what? I said, well, there's always problem birds that people can't kill wherever, wherever you go. And everybody thinks that I can just, oh, magically, oh, here, turkey, turkey. Well, I, you know, I've, and I, again, Andy, you sat through a, a, a one of my seminars, and I start off, and I said, okay, everybody, you think I can walk in water, dog, call turkey, or da-da-da. I said, but everybody in this room, think of all your mistakes and all of your buddies' mistakes. What I have going for me is I've made more mistakes than that number, cumulative, in this room, all, all in, all done. And because of that, I can come up with, I think, a better game plan than most. Um, now, if somebody's, it's their property, third generation blah blah and they know it like the back of their hand and stuff and you know i always pay attention but but you know i just i i have been fortunate enough to to be in so many mess ups and so so to circle back i circle back i love that term as called jen saki but i when i hunt by myself i would say that i hunt i do say i will say i hunt differently than when i'm with my dudes because they expect more of me. And so I, I, I am a little more conservative when I hunt by myself, but even my conservative mode is huh, light years more than most people's hard, <laughs> aggressive. <to the> hard <laughs> hardcore, yeah. aggressive DEFCON 4 mode, you know? Um, so, so, uh, but they expect, and people are like, I said, why didn't you bring your calls? Cause most of my dudes, my, my, so my, big thing is, is my grand slam guys and i call them dudes because they're that's just the, the phrase or the name and uh i said hey you got your calls oh, i'm not i'm not gonna call i go why not oh because you you've got i said Dude, they're all i mean all three of us blindfold us put it whatever and if i heard either of your voices i'd know right away hey there's andy hey there's cameron and vice versa 
and everybody has a different voice, and turkeys are the same. People are so afraid to call, move, to whatever, push. They just are because most people only have their one hunt, their one window, their one opportunity, and they don't want to mess it up. So they would back to the, you will miss every shot you don't take. And I don't mean physically shooting the gun. I mean pushing the envelope, shot at your opportunity. You know, most people sit back because they're so afraid of messing up. And you, you guys are fathers and mentors and been around all kinds of folks and stuff. And, and you know, it's not just in hunting. It's in so much in life. People are just so afraid, you know, and I guess I just got over that because I sat on a log and was afraid my first couple years. And I said, man, I'm not doing this anymore. Uh-uh, you know. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that that is the, probably the difference between those who are just absolutely just turkey killers and the average turkey hunter is that your turkey killers are not afraid to screw up. They welcome the screw up. You know, I mean, do I want to bump every turkey I ever encounter in a season? No. Have I done it? Well, we'll talk about that in a different conversation. <laughs> but, you know, I, I typically, for every one that, or for every two that I bump, I'll kill the third one. You know, so what does that mean? Get me in front of three birds. Yep. Get me in yep. front of three birds. Yep. I'll, I'll take that one, and and I will gladly bump the other two, you know, because it's what you said Again, and you said it earlier on here, it's spot on. When we bump a turkey, if we're not calling to that turkey and we bump it while we're calling, if we're crawling on it, what do we look like? Probably a coyote or a fox. We don't look like something, we don't look like a turkey. So we spook the turkey. If we're walking and we bump that turkey, what's what have we done? Well, we just bumped a turkey. He He just knows that we're not a turkey. So he's run over the next ridge and down into the bottom and taking a left and he's run another 150 yards and he stops, you know? So if I'm bumping a turkey and I'm not calling to that turkey, I'm not worried about what I've done to spook that turkey. So, you know, I'll take that day in, day out. Give me the opportunity. Throw me in the ring and let me fight. And to that, when you are calling, because we all hopefully have had a bird that literally the the textbook, oh my gosh, that bird wants to die. I mean, gobbling his head off, answering every call, coming like crazy. And for some way, we we are ours, screw it up. And you go, oh my gosh, I just left meat on the bone. How did that, oh, and you're just dying. So what do you do? And hopefully you don't shoot at him. But I have had that happen. My dude shoots at the hottest time in the world. So what do you do? You figure out where he went, you circle way around, and you get some new calls. And if you give it 30 minutes and you pay attention and you don't just go barnstorming in, you know, even when you do bump them, there's a – depending on what their mindset is, you know, there's still a good opportunity. But you got to go for it, you know. But you only know that if you've messed up. You have messed that up and then you've made it right or had another opportunity at it. And there's a – there's salt in the wound, messing up at a bird that just was huh, the the easiest yard bird and talking the most and all that, and you still screw it up. Yeah, been there, done that. Well, I want to add yeah. one thing yeah. to what I just said, and that is assuming I have unlimited acreage to hunt. You yeah. Know, so if I'm hunting a 20-acre track or a 40-acre tract, then yes, I'm going to 
try to not blow that bird out of there. And that's a great, great point too, Andy, is because, you know, one of my guys that finished up his slam with me this year was from Delaware. And, you know, he's, he said, Hey, Hey. And when anybody asked me one question, I asked them four or five. Okay. So tell me first off, what's your experience? What size property do you have? How many birds do you have? How, you know, blah, 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 blah. Before I even think to throw out some generic stamped answer, right? boy, and those answers, it, they change, they change in a second, you know, on, on some other variable, some other wind, uh, window of opportunity or the weather or this or that, you know, it, 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 it all changes. But, uh, you know, that's a great point. You, I, without question, you have to, your, your, your mode of, of getting to the end game changes drastically on the acreage and the birds you have. Mm-hmm. Yep, no doubt. So talk to me a little bit about the birds that aren't gobbling. You, you get into an area, you know there's some sign there, but you don't hear any gobbling birds. Are you moving on and continuing to cover ground, or are you going to hang around there? Let's say it's a new piece of property again. We're, we're using the woodsmanship skills here. Yep, yep. And if he's not gobbling and we've all seen birds, you know, and, and been in spots and you take somebody there or some big time, some, you go in and, and you think, you know, and we're hunting, whatever it is. And I go, a lot of people can choose when they go. If you're hunting your one spot, your, your three days and, and you, you're only, you can take off whenever, but you can only take up one time. You're going to pick the best time. But if like we all three have done right now, I already know dates when I'm going to be gone. And when that happens, we're there, whatever the weather, whatever, however the birds are acting. Mm-hmm. And uh, you go into one spot and you, you listen at the golden, you know, three or five minutes that you know if they're here, it's going to happen. And as the time tick, the clock ticks and your heart sinks, starts to sink and you go, oh, no. And, uh, um, you know, and so I say I call a bunch. I listen more when I have the opportunity. I want them to do what they are going to do naturally without any input from me. So, because we've all thrown something out and, and watched an animal, bird, typically we're talking turkeys, watch that turkey pucker up and go, I'm out of here. And, and you sound good. And you like look at your call like, really? That just, he just... But he knows he just he just or she just knows that that's not right. We don't know that voice. We're out of here. Um, so so they are. You, and and then, so you go to one spot, you don't hear a peep. And then and then let's just say in a perfect world, it rains that night and you just go, oh, it's on. And they just it's like the dog that got the bath and just running crazy the next morning. You hear five toms in the exact same spot at the exact same t- crack of light when the whippoorwills and are going off in the every other noise in the morning and and you go I knew they were here um so to answer your question I still cover a ton of ground I might take if they're not talking I will take it slower um and when I do find that sign that dust bowl is a good one and for whatever reason you get spots where the soil is just the best and they and they just like that spot and they're are they through there that certain time of the day when it's warm and that it's not 
dewy and you know whatever it is and but when i do find sign and i say i i should probably given all the other variables this is probably a good spot that we need to just pay attention and spend some time and and uh watch the clock you know it's a war of attrition you know who's going to wait it out more sometimes but uh i do take it slower when i'm covering that ground and and i guess also to, to clarify when i say cover ground I don't mean put on my running shoes and run through the woods. I'm hunting. I'm, I mean, you should, so I have my ears on. I have pitch problems. I can't hear gobbles and bugles, of course, as good as I should, but, but they make, they, and how many times you've been in the woods. So finish that one. So everything's louder, but how many times you've been in the woods and you're with somebody and you keep looking at them going, quit making the noise because you can hear every limb and every leaf they step on because they're off two feet, but you can't hear as much noise as you're making, but you're both making the same noise, typically. Right. But, mm-hmm. but as I'm walking through the, the trail, I walk on grass. I don't walk on leaves. When I have to walk on something that's noisy, I'll jump from a dirt spot to a dirt spot. So again, I don't make all that crunching noise. Um, when I'm going in in the dark, I might stop. You don't just march in and, you know, you, you think you're, you're supposed to be an animal. You want to try and make the least amount of ripple as you're going. Um, so I, I, I take that approach when I am doing it and to, to leave the least amount of ripple. But again, covering ground is the, the goal to, to pick up as much intel as you can. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. So true or false, a sense of direction is something you're born with. I would say absolutely. And again, what's first the chicken or the egg and necessity? I mean, I can't point fingers at my family, but I one specific person that I mean, it's brutal. And and me, <laughs> I, I you know, you spin them around, put them in a bottle, and I can almost count the times I've said, "Hey, which way?" And I I push my people to say, "Hey, which." And my family as well. You know, we had an incredible, we've had some incredible properties. And say, all right, I'll stop and go, which way is it to this? Which way is it to that? And I'll say, just point. Or I'll say, without looking, so nobody can look at the other person. Um, you say, draw, draw on the dirt. Everybody turn back. So draw on the dirt an arrow to which way this is. So they don't get the other perspective to, to help them. Mm-hmm. And and it's funny, but I, Andy, I think you're, I think you either got like motion sickness. I get motion sickness. I, I my wife loves the deep sea fish or be on boats. I don't be, because I'll get sick and, and it's brutal. So you're not born with that. You, I mean, you're not, you don't acquire it. Well, I say, I don't know, but it's been with me for my life. If I get in the backseat third row, oh, forget about it. On a big trip, no, huh. not going to happen. But yeah, I mean, and again, to, remember stuff i mean i'm the norm i mean it's pretty normal but i'm exceptionally bad as i'm releasing your hand at a cocktail party or an event i will forget your name i'm just telling you don't take it personal i i i like you it has nothing to do with anything other than i have a bad memory but i can take anybody to a spot in the dark hike back an hour and a half in the national forest where i cut my teeth 25 years ago and i promise you i can get you within 50 yards of the spot where i knew there was it was a good roost i I can't i mean i'm neurotic about about 
trails and memory and birds and all that stuff. So what would mm-hmm. I rather do? Remember, you know, I mean, certain times I'll, I'll say, okay, yeah, you know, of course, our interactions, all three of us, no brainers. But the typical cocktail party, I don't stand a chance. I mean, I'll smile. I mean, we have the international rule. If I don't introduce introduce my wife to somebody as we're walking up, she jumps in and says, hi, I'm Jenny. And they say, oh, hey, Jenny, I'm Andy. I go, Andy, of course. What's going on, buddy? And, you know, and then <laughs> some, I'll have somebody do that to me. And I go, like, I know those, our family has those same international rules. Yeah. And I say, you didn't remember my name, Joker, because I'm the one that will call you on it. And laugh about it. Can't do that. Like we're on vacation. I have to pay her a hundred bucks every time I talk about Trump or the vaccine or Corona or (laughs) she's she's sitting pretty right now. She is sitting pretty, Uh, but she's the one that can remember, remember what color socks she wore in first day of kindergarten. And I kid you not, literally she can remember it's, it's incredible, but you talk about sense of direction anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That was a long answer, but you're born with it. But yeah. you, if not, you, yeah. you utilize every every opportunity, whatever. We're, so here's here's the how to how to make up for all that with the technology now. I mean, so Cameron, you're a little younger. Andy's in between. Or you're, Andy, you're close. I'm 55, going to be six. You're close. You're close, right? I'm very close to you. Yeah, about yeah. three or four years yeah. behind so, you. Yeah, yeah. So so the technology, Andy. If we had what these punks have nowadays, oh my gosh! I know. But the problem is, they all have it, and they can all look on their hunt stands and their Onyx and their, you know, their different the technology. And I mean, if I you, I mean, it's the the stuff. I mean, I'm looking. I still have it. I can't frame it because I can't frame 50 pages Xerox color copy them off. But I have notes, handwritten notes, ink pen here and there. On, on maps on my Rand McNally that I had. It doesn't even have the cover anymore, but that's something that I'll never get rid of because that was with me. You know, 2013 is when I finished. I mean, you don't, you, they don't, it, they didn't have the technology then that there, there is now. Heck, look at, look at where we've come in five years. Yeah. So there's technology to overcome anything offline maps. Are you kidding me? My buddy carries his big old Garmin. I go, dude, offline. This is for Elk uh, probably three years ago, maybe four. And and offline mapping had just, you know, for the common guy to, to download and get a good grit, good map section on his map. He's like, what's that? I turned it off. There wasn't cell service for two hours. We get back in there. I turn on that phone, and it showed me a blue dot right where I am. And, I mean, I marked every single thing I needed to. It just blows me away the technology because those garments, you know, and even if you get your map and you scroll in and scroll out and, you know, it's just, it's nothing like the, the clarity that, and the pinpoint everything that there is nowadays. It's, it's insane, but Mm. everybody's got it and everybody's out there. You know, there's more people and less birds. And that's a whole other four episodes of why that is. And I've got my, my, uh, knee jerk on answer but boy you better uh you better utilize everything every opportunity you have um and that goes for that waitress that has a has a different accent and you're out somewhere and and boom you know you I mean, how many people would say you're where are you from and i'm in Colorado boulder i was at a restaurant i could tell you almost what her name is i bet but but uh where are you from i was a waiter and and uh she said mississippi i said mississippi i said huh you got brothers? And she's thinking, uh, oh. and I mean, I want their number. 
I want to be able. I want a turkey. They do, do they turkey? Yep. I want their number. Here, have them call me, please. I want a turkey, and I'll swap them something. And I mean, she was almost mad that I wasn't. I didn't wasn't in her number. I wanted to talk to her brother. But how many people would would stop somebody on the side of the road when they're on their on their trip? It means so much to them to go get their finish their soup slim. But would you go and knock on a door? Would you go up when it says no? They're they're not Jeff Buds. I mean, I, what are they going to do? Shoot me? I go in open arms. Hey, how's it going? You know, stop a UPS driver, a, a postal driver, FedEx driver. Oh my gosh, dude! I I know so many. I'm saved in my phone, and they're saved as UPS. You know, Andy wants to tell you how I say yes. Cameron, you're just Cameron the nice guy. But Andy, anyway, uh, got a lot of UPS and FedEx drivers saved in there. And, uh, you know, you just got to take advantage of every opportunity you got. That is so true. So true. Good deal. Man, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, it doesn't even seem like it's yeah. been an hour and it has flown by. And I've just I've enjoyed every second of it. Of course, it's been great catching up with you as usual. And. I know that we're keeping you from the family and from your vacation, and so I want to be respectful of your time because you know me. I'll I'll talk to you all day long about turkeys. <laughs> all three of us will. Uh-huh. Yeah, no doubt. Well, this has been good. You know, I, I think. Well, thank you, that, Jeff. You're welcome. Karen. I think it's something a lot of listeners can take a, away a lot of great information from. So good, good, good stuff. Yep. Great, great visit as well. And you know, of course, right now it's, it's July. And plan, plan, plan. But when you get somewhere and doesn't happen, don't think because you didn't plan for six months. You can't just go knock on a door and go do it. So I don't care where that, what situation you're in. I guarantee you, I'm going to give you the positive side of how you can get out of it. Go do it. You don't don't worry about taking the shot, taking the opportunity, going for it. But anyway, God bless you guys. It was always a pleasure. Look forward you to seeing too, you. And, and if my wife introduces herself first you know the deal (laughs) (laughs) oh goodness pretty good hey you guys travel safely and have a great trip and uh hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon all right guys i'll talk to you later man when i get off the phone or get through with a live and in-person conversation with jeff buds fired up i am fired up and ready (laughs) to go He's like the the motivational like exercise guru type person, but for yes. turkeys, like yes. he he can just get you jacked up. He yeah. he puts off a, such a positive energy. That's probably why he's had so much success as a guide. Like, how could you have a bad time with a guy so positive? Yeah, I mean, just just awesome. And and like you said in the intro, this guy world champion turkey caller Jeff Buds, but he's a world champion turkey killer. I mean, no doubt about it. Yep. And he's got the woodsmanship to prove it. So he knows how to get it done. And anytime we get to learn from people like Doc Weddle, Jeff Buds, I mean, I don't know if people listening really understand. Y'all just got to listen to two of the best turkey killers in America give you advice the past two weeks, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, seriously. So yeah, I'd pay attention to those two. I don't know how to add on to that in any way, shape, or form that would make it more spot on. Yeah. I think that just, that nails it. So. Yep. Yeah. I'm in, well, I'm enjoying this. I am too. What a, I mean, what a topic. I, I'm just like, man, this woodsmanship, I mean, it just, what a topic. I, I just, I can't get over it. It, it. That is turkey hunting. I mean, that is what separates us from the other hunters in my mind is woodsmanship 
Yeah. And there's woodsmen in all different facets of hunting, but the best turkey hunters are always your best woodsmen, in my mind. Always. Yes, indeed. And you, I don't know that you can say that about other sports. So I, I just I love hearing from these guys, and I know we'll have a couple more great discussions around it to come up in the next couple of weeks. And man, just good stuff. So. And for you guys who think that we don't listen to you when you send an email or you send a message on IG, I want to send a shout out to Joe Marcello because he sent a message to me on IG on May the 30th. It says, hey, Andy, listen to your last podcast with Andy Cantrell. Another good one. I think a podcast on woodsmanship in the turkey woods would be an interesting topping to hear about from your guests in the short series you're doing. It's not talked about much and not something you can learn from mainstream hunting videos. That's accurate. But I'm sure you can agree it's probably the most important quality to have as a turkey hunter. Thanks for all you guys do. So, Joe, thank you for the suggestion. You know, it's really a topic that I've kind of hesitated to cover because it is so broad. But to me, it's the perfect topic for a series Mm -hmm. like this because it is so broad. Yeah. So, well, heck, I mean, Jeff even brought in, you know, all type of stuff like getting access through waitresses. And I mean, he, yeah. he took woodsmanship to whole new realms. You yeah. Know? It, it just everyone has their interpretation of, of how we go about things, and everybody's different, you know, and, and that's what's the beauty of it all. And people are successful. And they're just going to kind of tell you what they do that helps them be successful. And maybe you can adopt it and maybe it doesn't work for you. But I would imagine if you can't pick up something from Doc Weddle and Jeff Buds these past two weeks, then you're not listening hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah, it may be worth going back and doing a re-listen. Yes. If you're if you're sitting there thinking right now, eh, I didn't get anything from these two, then I don't think it's our fault. We've brought you the best of the best. I don't know what more you want from us. (laughs) Uh, well, I am sure we've got one more good one on woodsmanship coming up and then one that'll be, you know, I don't know, maybe you want to listen to the intro of the, of the last one that we do on woodsmanship, but that might be it. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed it. No doubt about it. And I guess I'll give the favor of the week this week. Do it to it. So if you have property that you want to see more turkeys on. I would highly suggest looking into ways to open up the canopy and let the ground level get some of that photosynthesis. So my favorite of the week this week is to research that and see what would work best on your property. Does that mean doing timber harvest, a hack and squirt technique? That's something we're about to apply on our property is a hack and squirt. Or, you know, hey, is there a grove of cedars somewhere in the middle of your property that's doing nothing for you? Could you go cut those down, run a burn through it, and all of a sudden you've got nesting habitat? My favorite of the week this week is improve your timber quality and your timber stand for turkeys this season. Don't wait till next year. Do it this year. Right now is a good time. August is when we're going to start doing some hack and squirting on our property. We're just trying to get some more of that green growth to come up in early spring to help those turkeys out. So if you have property, see if you can get anything done in the form of timber improvement for wild turkeys. Great favor of the week. Yeah, there you go. It's just on my mind because that's, man, I'm this weekend 
I got a grove of cedars that's doing nothing for us right in the middle of a big block of hardwoods that we got. I'm like, you know what? Those are coming down. I'm running a burn through it. I'm going to get rid of them. And it's going to end up being a nice, beautiful little green patch and nesting or brooding habitat for turkeys. So turning something from nothing into into production. There you go. And it's just going to be dang fun doing it. Heck yeah, I'm going to take some pictures, like, look at this, this is what it looked like before, here's the after, and then when I'm up there, you know, late May, when it's getting to be, you know, really nesting season, and those, and the gobbler's up there hammering right off the edge of it, I mean, talk about satisfaction, I don't know what else to do, like, that'll just be so satisfying. Yeah. So, I can't wait, and hopefully, uh, you guys, we all have heard it, everybody on Earth saying it, decline, 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 what are you doing to help it out? That's all you can do. I'm sold on it. I'm going to do everything I can in my power to, to make a difference on the properties I can. Yeah, so we, if you can make a difference, do it. We can keep moaning and groaning, or we can get off our rear ends and do something to our little piece of heaven. That's it. On earth. And if we're all doing it, it's going to make a difference. That's what it's going to take. I truly believe that. So I'm in. If I have anything to say about it, my properties will be the last ones on earth that have turkeys on them because I'm going to fight to the bitter end. You're not taking them off mine. There you go. I hope hope, if y'all see any way y'all can improve your timber stands, you got to have poult and nesting habitat on your property to have turkeys. It is just key. That is it. So if you see a way you can get some more sunshine to that ground level, you know, and take out some lesser trees that aren't going to produce income for you in the future or producing no mast for your wildlife, do it. Improve that timber for wildlife, especially turkeys. Very good. Well, I can hear the banana pudding from the refrigerator (laughs) calling me. So Go get you some, man. Wrap this up and go, go get it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.